God said to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, I am the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, he's the God of the living. Therefore you do greatly err. And one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. The second one is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself, is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said to him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God, and no man after that durst ask him any question. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, and our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Dr. Mitchell continues in Mark chapter 12, verse 23, as the Sadducees confront Jesus. Their hypothetical situation was so construed as to do away with the resurrection of the body by the living God, and these Sadducees are likened to the theological liberals of this present generation. Mark writes that Jesus said they were in error because they did not know the Scriptures nor the power of the living God. God is the God of the living not of the dead. Next, Jesus is questioned by a discerning scribe as to what is the greatest commandment of the law. And Jesus answered this sincere request, and the man recognized the real intent and spirit of the law. The Lord Jesus then recognized the heart and mind of this scribe, that he was near to the kingdom of God in his understanding. Mark chapter 12, verse 23, here is Dr. Mitchell. You're listening to The Unchanging Word. Bible broadcast. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you with studies in the gospel through Mark. And as you know, we are in the in the 12th chapter of that precious gospel. Again, I suggest that you keep on reading it over and over again. Now, we're dealing with the 12th chapter of the book of Mark. In fact, it starts at verse 27 of chapter 11, where the Lord starts to confound his enemies. An amazing thing how they tried to trap the Savior. You remember he had come into the city, he had cleansed the temple, he had cursed the fig tree, he had raised the question to his disciples concerning prayer and their responsibility of forgiveness to others. And then he, they challenged him he, concerning his person and uh, he shut their mouths, then told them a parable, 
which really reached their conscience. They left him and went their way with only one purpose, to kill him. And then he met with the Pharisees. The Pharisees and the Herodians came, these two who had no love for each other, but they had a common enemy, the Lord Jesus Christ. Pharisees were the formalists of the day. In theology, I would say they were the conservatives. And the Herodians were the religious politicians. They, they liked to play along with Rome. And you remember they tried to catch the Savior, and they came with their flattery, uh, things that they didn't believe, and they began to talk about him being true and carest for no man and, and uh, taught the way of God in truth. And their question was, is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar? And you remember, he asked for a penny. He asked, the, and he said, you owe to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar, but you also owe to God. Pharisees wouldn't want to pay to Caesar. They hated giving money to Caesar, but they accepted Caesar's money. They accepted his uh, protection with his army. They, they accepted the blessings they got from being under Rome. But they hated Rome. All right, said Jesus, you pay your penny. You pay your taxes. You pay what you owe them. And the, and the, and the Herodians, they played up to Rome. They didn't care about the things of God. So Jesus said, you run it to God the things that are God's. You see, they thought they had Jesus in a box, you know. If he, if he says, pay your taxes, then the Pharisees would have said, you're not the Messiah. If he had said, don't pay your taxes, the Herodians would have accused him of, of treason. So they thought they had him in a box. Instead of that, he put them in a box, and he condemned both parties. Then we came to the Sadducees, who are the rationalists of the day, the liberals of the day. They were very flippant with respect to spiritual truth, just like a great many are today. Now, the Lord's answer was they were ignorant of two things. They were ignorant of the Word of God. They were ignorant of the power of God. Oh, my friend, how true that is. I know what I'm talking about. Men who've got their... Uh, their doctorates and so on in different fields of philosophy and even of theology, and their flippant way of talking about the Word of God and the Savior are just nothing else but manifestations of their ignorance of the Word of God and ignorance of the power of God. How often these men do this. They argue against the Word of God, against the person of Christ, against the Savior, and ask them a question. How much of the Bible have you read? The chances are they're only quoting somebody else. They're pirating somebody else. They pull things out of the air with no foundation at all. They talk about reason. No, my friend, let me tell you very frankly, Jesus said to these rationalists of the day, uh, these secularists, these modernists, these liberals, what do you say to them? You're ignorant of the Word of God. You're ignorant of the power of God. And you can't divorce these two things at all. Now, it is very obvious the Sadducees were those leaders. And by the way, the high priest's house were Sadducees. Both Annas and Caiaphas were Sadducees. They didn't believe in the supernatural. Like a great many folk today, a great many religious leaders today don't believe in the supernatural. They just say this was, these were ignorant Galileans, these disciples of Jesus, and they, 
And they thought of these things as being miracles. They weren't miracles at all. Just folklore, etc. I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians 2.14, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. What do you know about God, my friend? What do you know about God? Rule out the Bible and you have no knowledge of God. Oh, I know you can see the fact that there is a God through the argument of design in creation. The heavens declare the glory of God and so on. But what is he like? Does he have any interest in you? Does he have any interest in me? Now these Sadducees poo-pooed the whole idea. They manifested ignorance of God and the power of God and the word of God. And before you start to begin to pull down, try to pull down the faith of people who believe in the Savior, faith in resurrection, faith in a God who lives and a God who loves us and cares for us, you better read the Bible and find out for yourself. If you're honest, I know what the score will be. If you're honest, if you want to know the truth, God will always, and I say it very bluntly, God will always reach and meet the need of any honest, needy heart. These Sadducees were not that way. They came with Je- to Jesus with their argument, and as I said in the last lesson, they were very flippant about the question of spiritual truth, of resurrection. And they brought up a, a possibly a, a case that's practically impossible. Moses said if a man had a wife and he didn't have any children, then the brother must bring up children for his brother who had died, and so on and so forth. See, it was just about an impossible situation, but they were flippant about it. Now then, when uh, last the woman died, who's going to be who's going to be her husband in the resurrection? She's had seven men, seven husbands. Which one will she have? And the Lord came out with a marvelous revelation that the angels, and we're to be like the angels, which are in heaven. They neither marry nor are given in marriage. There's a certain number of angels. But the amazing thing was what our Lord said. And this is the thing I got hold of my heart. When God said to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, I am the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, he's the God of the living. Therefore you do greatly err. Isn't it wonderful to know today that the moment a Christian leaves this world, he goes right into the very presence of the Savior. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. You remember, uh, absent from the body is present with the Lord. The moment a Christian, I repeat it, the moment a believer in Christ leaves this world, he goes immediately into the presence of God. Paul could say that in Philippians chapter 1, when Paul is in jail with the possibility of martyrdom, what does he say? I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better, far better. To live is wonderful. To be with the Lord 
is far better. Even David back yonder knew something about it when he said when his baby died, he can't come to me, but I can go to him. Wherever the baby was, David said, that's where I'm going. God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. But what about uh, the unsaved? Well, my friend, the unsaved go to Sheol. They go to hell. And they're waiting judgment. Not much said about it. But believe me, my friend, when you leave this body, you're not dead. For the Christian, he goes right into the very presence of his Savior in the presence of the eternal God. Oh, the wonder of it all. I know a lot of my friends have gone and they've had an experience I've never had. They have seen the Savior face to face. My, what, a, what an experience. What a hope. And that hope is based on the faithfulness of God. My friend, what hope do you have? What hope do you have? Let's not be like these Sadducees who erred not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. I want to tell you, my friend, you can know the power of God. But it comes through knowing the Scriptures. For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So the Lord rebuked them for their ignorance and for their unbelief. He rebuked the Pharisees and the Rhodians, and he rebuked the Sadducees. Their, their mouths are shut. See, the scribes and the rulers, their mouth is shut. The Pharisees and the Herodians, their mouths have been shut. The Sadducees, their mouth is shut. Now we come to another one. Verse 28, And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, I have an idea this scribe was listening in to these uh, discussions between the Herodians and the Pharisees and the Sadducees with Jesus. And he said to the Lord Jesus, you remember, he perceived that the Lord had answered them well, and he asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. It's quoting from Deuteronomy. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. The second one is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. That is, there's only one Lord. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said to him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any question. Now notice the question was raised concerning the commandments. That is the Ten Commandments. Now, he's not talking about the gospel. He asked the Lord, what is the first commandment? And as you know, the first commandment is, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, 
with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second one is, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Remember, this question was also raised in chapter 10. When the rich young ruler came to Jesus, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said, well, you know the commandments, what about them? I've kept all these from my youth up. What like I yet? That was your relationship to God. He failed in his relationship to God. He did not fail in his relationship to man. Jesus didn't question that. But he did put his finger on that which he was not doing, which was worshiping God with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, with all his strength. Same thing with the lawyer in Luke chapter 10, when the lawyer said, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And the Lord Jesus said, you're a lawyer. You tell me, what does the law say? And he quoted these verses. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you've answered right. And the man said, who's my neighbor? He begged the question. You see, he dodged his responsibility. And the Lord told the story of the Good Samaritan. Who has kept this these two commandments. Do you know of anybody in the world except the Savior who ever kept these two commandments? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Now listen. If salvation was this way, listen to it. To be fitted for the presence of God, to be acceptable to God, you want to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then you are to love your neighbor as yourself. This do, said Jesus, and thou shalt live. But you see, nobody ever did it. The law was never given to give life. The law was given to show man how bad he was. The law made sin exceeding sinful. The law is not of faith. That's Galatians chapter 3. The law is not of faith. The law can justify, for we read by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. The law demands perfection in your relationship to God and perfection in your relationship to man. Why, you throw your hands up and say, Mr. Mitchell, well, nobody can do that. That's right, that's right, that's right. That's why God sent his son. The law, to be used lawfully, shows us our need of a savior. I'm a sinner. Supposing, just supposing I were to keep the law right on now until I leave this world. Or supposing I keep the law right on through until, say, the last year I'm on earth. Then I break the law in one point. I'm through. Death is mine. I'm under judgment. The law has no extenuating circumstances. The law, the law has no mercy. The law never forgives. The law never helps you. The law never empowers you. The law stands and demands. And we can't do it. We haven't the power to do it. We were born in sin. That's why the Lord Jesus came to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now notice what the man said in verse 32. Well, Master, thou hast said the truth. There is one God... There is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, to love his neighbor as himself is more 
and all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. My, he, as we say, he said a mouthful. You know what he did? What were the Jews doing? Occupying themselves with burnt offerings and sacrifices? What were they selling in the temple? Animals for burnt offerings and uh, sacrifices? They were making it easy for the man who came in, especially for the pilgrim who came in for the feast of Passover to make it easy for him to offer his burnt offerings and his sacrifices. And this man said, to love the Lord with all your heart and so on is far more important than burnt offerings and sacrifices. Jesus said, this man who answered so discreetly, Jesus said, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. You know, I would like to have known what happened after that, but the Bible is silent. And I'll have to be silent too. For you see, a person, a person can have all these things. Try to do all these things. As this dear man said, this is true. This is what the commandment is. God's got to be the very center of my affection and devotion, and I must take care of my neighbors myself. And Jesus said, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And nobody else does ask a question. You know, I'm thinking about those two men. The rich young ruler, I say, Jesus looked upon the young man and he loved him. And he said, One thing thou lackest. What was that? Relationship to God. This man was a wonderful fellow. He had heard all the arguments of the Pharisees and the scribes and the Herodians and the Sadducees, and he came along and just asked the Lord Jesus this one question. You know, and I must say this, you know, it's possible for a person to be very knowledgeable about the Word of God, knowledgeable about the gospel of Christ, knowledgeable about all these things and be very serious about it and not be saved. See, knowing the gospel doesn't save you. It's relationship to Jesus Christ that's the important thing, you see. I made myself clear. It's relationship to Jesus Christ that's the important thing. And how wonderful it is to know that when you and I come to the Savior, just as we are, just as we are, not bringing anything, just come as we are, in our sins, in our failures, even in our rebellion and lawlessness. We come with open hearts, meaning business, and receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. We pass from death to life. What a wonderful thing to know that you and I can pass from death to life by just putting our trust in Him. So I read that from there on, no one does ask any question. And we'll take up the rest of it in our next lesson. What I'm trying to get to your heart is, these religious leaders with all their knowledge of things had no heart for the Savior. Oh, I sincerely hope this is not true of you. I sincerely hope that you have a real heart for the Savior a real heart for God. You who are Christians, be sensitive to his fellowship. Walk with him today. Enjoy his presence. Revel in his power. 
rejoice in his fellowship. For an unsaved person, my friend, put just trust in Jesus Christ, God's wonderful Son, and I'll guarantee you'll pass from death to life. Now may the Lord bless you today for his precious name's sake. I have found a deep peace that I never had known And a joy this world could not afford Since I yielded control of my body and soul To my wonderful, wonderful Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. The Unchanging Word is dependent on the support of our listeners. You can write us at The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. So until next time, this is The Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Life begins at Calvary.